Changed by Love is the teaching ministry of Pastor Jim Kevney of Calvary Chapel Morris Hills in Morris County, New Jersey. Pastor Jim's desire is to teach the Word of God with passion and simplicity, as well as a direct application to our daily lives. You may think you have to do something big for the Lord for Him to use it. That's not true. The Lord will often take the most minor or seemingly insignificant things in our life, offered in faith, and use them in a big way. In Luke chapter 19, a man offered a donkey simply because he was told the Lord has need of it. Yet that donkey carried King Jesus into the city for his last week before the cross, and that man's generosity has been preserved in history. It is so important to remember that what you do for the Lord is never small. To learn more, here's Pastor Jim in part two of his message, The King Who Comes. Verse 35, it says they, they, they set Jesus on him, a picture of enthroning the king. But Jesus knows he's, he's riding to his death. It's interesting, he's going to ride into Jerusalem. But when you read the, the gospel accounts, when you read the Old Testament accounts, the people didn't ride anything. They, they would bring animals with them, but they would walk into Jerusalem. It was a sign of, of respect. The king, the king would ride into the city. But Jesus knows he's riding to his death. Other kings powerfully rode in on war horses and the people shouted and they, and they laid their clothes on the road. But Jesus rides in on a donkey to demonstrate his humility. Now, the symbolism here would not go unnoticed at all by the religious leaders, not at all. Over 600 years earlier, Zechariah writes this in chapter 9, verse 9. Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. Shout, O daughter of Jerusalem. Behold, your king is coming to you. He is just and having salvation, lowly and riding on a donkey, a colt, the foal of a donkey. So the religious leaders would watch this scene and they would be hot. They'd be like, we know exactly what he's doing. He is declaring to us, he is making a statement to us that he is the Messiah. Now, let's look, think for a second of this expression, the Lord has need of it. That is not to say that Jesus needs our help. I know for some of us, we think, oh, that's very insulting, but that's just the truth. Jesus does not need our help. Like we often say around here, we do not have to serve we get to serve. It is a privilege to serve. I remember, I remember that every time I stand before you, this is a privilege that God has given to me. I don't know that it's a privilege for you, but it's a privilege for me. It also tells us that Jesus had many friends by, by them saying, the Lord has need of it. Jesus had many friends besides the 12 apostles. And these friends were ready to answer the call no matter how small. And that's something that we have to remember for all of us. God uses uncommon people to do extraordinary things. He uses ordinary people to do the extraordinary. He uses common things to do the uncommon. And if you think that something is below you, if I think that something is below me, it's time for a real heart check. Let me remember that I don't have to do this, but I get to do this. 
How wonderful it is to be a church full of people who all they need to hear is the Lord has need of it. That's all they have to hear. The Lord has need of it. Now you say, well, I don't think you'll I'll really hear that too often. But when you hear of a need, you know that the Lord has need of it. The question becomes, Lord, do you want me to be part of that? Number two, the arrival of the king. Verse 37, then as he was now drawing near the descent of the Mount of Olives, the whole multitude of the disciples began to rejoice and praise God with a loud voice for all the mighty works, some versions say miracles they had seen, saying, and they're yelling out uh, things from a messianic psalm, Psalm 118, blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord, peace in heaven and glory in the highest. Very similar to what the angels said first Christmas morning. But not everybody's happy. Look at verse 39. And some of the Pharisees called to him from the crowd, teacher, rebuke your disciples. Tell them to shut up. Now, these are the same guys that said, what they say about Jesus? We will not have this man rule over us. <laughs> verse 40, classic Jesus. But he answered and said to them, I tell you that if these should keep silent, the stones would immediately cry out. <laughs> Now, notice here, I know that many of you are used to, you're, you're still thinking about being a kid, having a sword of palms and, you know, you know, whacking your little sister with it or something like that. Not that I ever did anything like that, trust me. But, um, but, but notice how Luke is keeping us focused on Jesus and the mission of God plus the reactions of the people to Jesus. The crowd is growing and many of the people know two things that have just happened. Jesus has just made a blind man be able to see, and he has just raised his friend Lazarus from the dead. And you know, that's one of the wonders of the kingdom, that God opens the eyes of the blind and that God raises the spiritually dead. And, and for, for you that's here and you think that you will never change or you're watching at home and you're, or wherever you are, you're thinking you will never change, that is one of the promises of the kingdom, that God changes people. How many of you, since you've become a follower of Jesus, have been dramatically changed? Dramatically changed. Some of you only one hand, right? right? I'm a two-hander. Like people don't even recognize you anymore. You don't even recognize you anymore. That is one of the promises of the kingdom. One of the things I hear from people, they'll say something to me like, well, I'd come to your church, but I'm afraid the ceiling would cave in. You know what I say to people? You are exactly the kind of person that Jesus wants to sign up for his kingdom. I mean, he specializes in those things. He loves those kind of people. And the people are excited. They're praising God. You could just imagine the way they're talking to one another. Did you hear what the carpenter did? I heard he did this. I heard he did that. I heard all these miracles that he had been doing it. This guy from Nazareth who just, he just, he's amazing. Perhaps some were saying, surely if he can do all of these great miracles, he can get the Romans out of this place and he can restore our nation to us. The problem with that thinking is they don't understand the word of God and the mission of Jesus, even though they just said it. What is it? Peace in heaven and glory in the highest. Jesus will be a king on a cross. 
Jesus' true crowning as king will take place at this time when he returns to heaven. This misunderstanding of Jesus, both then and now, explains the lukewarm response that so many people have to Jesus. Because it's all about, what's he going to do for me? Or, how's he going to tell me what to do and ruin my life? Not the gospel, is it? It's not the good news. So here we have the crossroads. We're at the crossroads for a lot of people. You, you have the unbelieving crowd that's there. They, they, they want a Messiah, a military Messiah. And what is Jesus demonstrating for them? He's demonstrating the kind of Messiah he is. And what is he doing? As he's been doing all along, what is he doing for you today? If you're not a follower of Jesus, what is he doing for you at home today? He is inviting you into the kingdom. That's what he's doing. He's inviting you into the kingdom. And what if you are already a follower of Jesus? He's inviting you into the great joy of the kingdom. You see, one of the things about followers of Jesus, and this is something that we all need to be aware of, followers of Jesus understand and see that Jesus is active in their lives. Most people don't. Most people don't. Most people do what's best for themselves, don't they? But when you sacrifice for others and you're doing for others and you know it's because of what Jesus has done for you, he is active in your life. That's why I say we get to do this. You do, when you do stuff for, for Jesus or stuff that's out of character or stuff that demonstrates a complete lack of selfishness against every selfish bone in your body, would you please thank Jesus for that? You see, when you do only what's right for yourself, that's rejecting the way of Jesus, which is a rejection of Jesus, which is to reject God as we see in, of all people, the religious leaders. Now, if you're not a follower of Jesus, I, I, this, is, this, is, this is probably, what I just said is probably a bit mind-blowing for you, is that, that, and surprising to you, that the religious leaders are, are actually the biggest enemies of Jesus. And, not gonna make a lot of friends with this one, in many ways, they still are today. Not all of them, but a lot of them. They're yelling out what? Tell the people to shut up. Stop telling, stop tell, you know, maybe somebody will tell you, stop telling people about Jesus. They, they hated Jesus's popularity. Hated it. Hated it. And they hid behind this. Well, it's not of God. He's of the devil. But they're afraid of the people. They're afraid of the people. They're not afraid of God. They're afraid of the people. I mean, there's plenty of them. You think they would be running through the streets telling the people to shut up. They don't. What, who do they tell to tell the people to shut up? They tell Jesus. Jesus goes, okay, you want the rocks to start talking? Now around here, there's lots of rocks. There's a lot of talking, right? John the Baptist said this back in Luke 3.8. He said, God could raise up people more faithful than the sons of Abraham from the stones. That's really insulting. <laughs> he, that's how badly he thought the people of, of, of that time were. They're like, You're so unfaithful. God could do better with just bringing the rocks to life. Yet, that very week, a very large stone will talk. 
on an Easter morning when that stone is moved away from that temple, not so Jesus could, away from that tomb, not so Jesus could get out, but so we could look in. Oh, that, that, that stone is screaming. He is risen. He is risen indeed. Number three, why many can't see the king? Why many can't see the king? Now, as he drew near, he saw the city and wept over it. Some versions say burst into tears. Does that sound like a triumphal entry to you? Does that sound like a general who just, you know, squashed an army? Saying, notice how many times he uses the word you. It can be plural, but we can individualize it. Uh, Saying, if you had known, even you, especially in this, your day, the things that made for your peace. I came here to bring you peace. But now, he says, they're hidden from your eyes. I came to bring you peace but you're blind. You're blind. You see, that is, that is the miracle of the new birth is that you are blind to Jesus and he opens your eyes. I mean, I remember growing up as a kid, I used to go to church all the time. When I was in seventh, eighth grade, I was an altar boy. I go to church six or seven days a week. Anything to get out of school, right? And, and I heard, how many times did I hear Jesus died on the cross for my sins? And all of a sudden, one day, many, many years later, oh, wow, that's what that means. Jesus says, I came to give you peace, the peace from God and peace with God. But you, you didn't see it. It was hidden from your eyes. And then now as we go to verse 43, the the king becomes a prophet. And he gives an incredible prophecy, which will come true in a couple decades, but it's also a picture of the price of rejecting Jesus or being indifferent to him. Verse 33, for days will come upon you, that expression usually is an expression of judgment, when your enemies, so, you know, we're around 30, 33 AD, we'll let the scholars argue about that, but in 70 AD, um, the Romans took Jerusalem apart and that, that had been a siege that had been going on for a few years. When your enemies will build an embankment around you, what's that mean? You're not going to be able to even fight them. You're going to be shooting arrows at them and you're going to be hitting their embankments. You're going to be hitting the walls that they erect. They surround you and close you in on every side. He's like, you will not even be able to escape and level you and your children within you to the ground and they will not leave in you one stone upon another. Why why did this happen? because you did not know the time of your visitation. Jesus says, because I came to bring you peace and you did war with God by rejecting me. So as Jesus approaches Jerusalem, I mean, we get a real glimpse into Jesus's heart. You know what? Jesus doesn't really tell you much about himself. Did you know that? That's why you have to watch the what he does to know a lot about him. One thing he does tell us, he tells us he's gentle and lowly in spirit. That's one thing he tells us about himself. But generally, he doesn't tell us much about himself. He does stuff 
or he says stuff to other people that give us some identity of the way that he is. But here we get a real glimpse into his heart as he's weeping over the city. It's very sad that many people see God as having no emotions. He's sort of this stoic, you know, like, mm, doesn't care. I mean, you would think, just think about it for a second. They put you on this cult, cult and the, this donkey and the, and, the, and the people are lining the streets. They're putting their clothes on the, on the, on the road so you're, you, you're not touching the dirty ground. You're they're putting palms out. They're screaming, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. They're like, the king is here. The guy who's going to free us, the guy who free us. You would think that, that you would be happy about that. You know, like a politician. Where's a baby I can hug? You'd think he'd be happy, but he's not. He's totally pained. He's weeping. I mean, he knows that the cross is coming, but he also knows what is coming ahead for the city of Jerusalem for their rejection. They, they, they wanted peace, but they didn't want the peace that God brings. They wanted the peace that, that a mighty military leader could bring to them. So many people long for peace in their hearts. Do you know a lot of people who are just agitated all the time? So many people long for peace in their hearts, yet it's right in front of them. It's right in front of them, and they can't see it. Or maybe it's they won't see it. So instead of coming to the king, they will reject the king, and Jesus mourns the consequences for them. So Jesus is is looking at them and, and he sees the hardness of their hearts. They don't, they don't want God's way. They want their way. That's why I'm so against all this preaching that goes on now in church about how to get everything that you want because everything that you want might not be for you. He says, I came for the things that are for your peace, but they're hidden from your eyes. What's happening? The door of the grace of God is closing on the city because They wanted a politician. They wanted a military leader, not a savior. And it made them blind. I'm just being honest with you. It's a large concern of mine and many of pastor friends that I have of the church in America right now. Are we getting so dragged into the politics that we're becoming blind to the things of God? Are we getting so dragged into the politics that we're spending all of our time reading all these, you know, news stories, conspiracy theories, opinions and stuff like that. And our time in the word of God has now, for the most part, disappeared. Their savior came. In the Old Testament, it was very clear that the Messiah would be a Messiah who would spiritually rescue God's people. And Jesus said, you did not know the time of your visitation. I came and you didn't even see it. You know, as we, as we share the rescue plan of God with people through the cross of Jesus Christ, our Lord, we should expect a variety of responses. If people will put their trust in Jesus, they will experience the blessings of God in a way that the government could never give to us. And, and I'm not down on the government, but I'm just saying that history has proven that trusting in the government can be a very, very big mistake. And we want good government, But have you noticed the problem with the government? It changes. It changes. 
And I'm not going to ask for a show of hands, but I don't believe that all of you voted for the same person for president. I know none of you voted for me. Thanks. Love you guys, too. <laughs> Talk about a job I would never want. <laughs> but the government changes. But the reality is, is that society will only be transformed when the hearts of people are transformed. And that's the work of the church and the work of the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit doesn't need us to do that work, but God has chosen to do that work through us. Romans 5.1 says, Therefore, having been justified by faith, or some versions say declared righteous, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Did you know that the Bible says that we don't have peace with God until we put our trust in Jesus? That we have declared ourselves as God's enemies. Jesus says to these people, you missed your peace. Paul says in Romans that we just read, you don't have peace with God without faith and trust in God. Why can't these religious people see this? I mean, I mean, how could they miss the arrival of the peace of God right in front of them in the holy city? It's very simple. Their spiritual rebellion had blinded them. They have become unable to repent. Now, let me make sure I'm clear on something. For some of you, if, if you're here, you're not a follower of Jesus, you're watching online or whatever, and you think, oh man, oh man, maybe I'm unable to repent. If you care, you're able to repent. <laughs> if you care, you're able to. And if you care just a little bit, hold on, because you might be in for the ride of your life. A lot of us thought we were smarter than God. A lot of us. We thought, you know, I can go to church and keep doing my own deal. Yeah, I can do that. I can play, I can play both games. I can do that. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And then the devil's going to convince you of something. And then when you're down, he's going to kick your teeth in. I've been a Christian for 33 years now, and it still hurts. But praise God, he gave me new teeth. <laughs> the word you is used so many times to remind us that we all have a personal responsibility in our reaction to Jesus. We all have to turn to him and put our trust in him. Jesus is saying to these people, he is saying to us this morning, I came, I come to you today in grace. Will you receive me? Or will you reject me? Jesus came the first time as a savior, second time as a judge. Jesus, once again, Jesus and the apostles taught to reject Jesus is to reject God's offer of the forgiveness of sins and eternal life. And you can choose to believe or not. That is your choice. But you cannot choose the consequences of your choice. You can choose to go out and get crazy, crazy drunk and drive your car, but you cannot choose the consequences of that choice. And it's the same thing with the rejection of Jesus. So we began with, what are you waiting for? What do you, what do you want from life? If Jesus told you, you can find what you need as long as you're looking in the right place. Now he's told us where to look. Today, Jesus offers you peace the peace of God and peace with God. You know, in, the, in these crazy days, if you're, if you're a Bible reader, sometimes you ever have a, a, a verse that just 
just sits on your chest like a cinder block. One of my friends, Pastor Tom Dickerson, always cites this verse. And finally, I'm like, he's always citing, he's always citing, it's always citing, and now somehow the cinder block is on my chest. It's when Jesus said, when the Son of Man comes or when Jesus returns, will he really find faith on the earth? Are you, are you looking for a king on a donkey? Are you looking for a king on a cross? I pray that Jesus finds faith in you and in me. I pray this week as we look at the king on the cross who would rise from the dead, that we would all put our trust in him. If you're not a follower of Jesus, my prayer, my heartfelt prayer, is that you will receive Jesus Christ in your life, that you will choose eternal joy over eternal calamity. The king has come. He's here now. You have to choose. Will you continue to reject him or will you receive him as your king? Changed by Love with Pastor Jim Kevney of Calvary Chapel, Morris Hills in Morris County, New Jersey. Changed by Love brings you the great hope of the gospel to equip you to reach others with this transforming message. In a world filled with fear and mistrust, Pastor Jim provides the path to freedom in a clear and transparent style. Changed by Love needs your help to reach thousands, including your friends and neighbors. Find out the ways you can team financially with Changed by Love by visiting our website at changedbyloveradio.org or call 862-217-9686. Pastor Jim would love to hear your story and how Changed by Love has impacted your life or someone you know. Your encouragement goes a long way. Thank you for spending time with Pastor Jim Kevney and Changed by Love.